This week on Hometown Ghost Stories, we head to Bel Air, Ohio, to a house that has been terrifying its occupants for over a century. Join us as we dig into the history of this ominous building and see what makes it such a paranormal hotbed. This is the Hometown Ghost Stories podcast, episode number eight. Enjoy. Sixteen ninety nine Belmont Street, Bel Air, Ohio. The Bel Air House. Nine-year-old Mary lay sprawled on the wooden floor of the servants' quarters, surrounded by her dolls and crayons. Mom was off cleaning the house for Miss Hetherington, and Mary knew that if she didn't tidy up her toys before she got back, there'd be hell to pay. As she began picking up her crayons, she heard one of the dolls faintly call her name from behind her. Quickly but nervously, she turned to see which doll was speaking to her. As she slowly approached the basket of dolls, she heard it again. Mary, help me. Only it wasn't coming from the dolls. It was coming from the doorway behind the dolls. The doorway to the attic. She was terrified of the attic, but also was curious about who was calling for help. She opened the door and began ascending the creaky old stairs. Ducking cobwebs, the voice distracted her from the musty smell of the attic. It sounded more frantic now. Mary, please, help me. The voice was coming from the far side of the attic, by the window. When she got to the window, she saw that it was opened. Mary, help me. I'm outside. Outside? Mary said out loud, and leaned out the opening to see. But as she leaned out, she lost her balance. And as she tumbled into the night air, she swore she heard the voice cackling. Before everything went dark. I'm Dave Wilkins, and this is Hometown Ghost Stories. Belair is a village in Belmont County, Ohio. Founded in 1834, Belair thrived as a center of glass manufacturing in the late 1800s, giving it the title Glass City. The city peaked in the late 19th century with a population of 8,025, nearly double what it is today. In addition to glass, Belair was known for its coal mines. Coal was the local energy source, as Belmont County was part of the eastern Ohio coal region. A man named Jacob Hetherington owned all the mines in the Ohio Valley and even worked alongside his employees and his close friend Jack, who happens to be a mule. It's rumored that the nursery rhyme, This is the House that Jack Built, is what inspired Jacob to name his mule Jack, since Jack helped Jacob build the house that would later be known as the Bel Air House. The Bel Air House is located near the bank of the Ohio River. This is part of the land where the French and Indian Wars took place from 1754 to 1763. The Bel Air House is also partly believed to be haunted because of the coal mine explosion that happened in the Ohio Valley in 1893. Forty-two men were killed in the explosion, and it took days to recover their bodies. Jacob Hetherington, who was a millionaire and used to run the city, died and left the coal mine company to his son Alex Hetherington, who was assisted by his daughter Lyde. Unfortunately, the business started to fail due to Alex hearing and seeing things that were not there. He also began to have epileptic seizures and declared that demons were trying to kill him. 
Back then, people believed that he was haunted and cursed because of the coal mine explosions. But, with advances in modern psychology, we now know that his failures were the dissolution of his sanity. Alex Hetherington was found incompetent and locked in a lunatic asylum. Not long after the commitment of Alex, his daughter Lyde took over the entire coal company. A few years later, Lyde unexpectedly died in the dining room of the Bel Air house. Her brother, Edwin Harrington, never got over the loss of his sister. After Edwin left the military in the 1900s, he moved into the Bel Air house to be close to Lyde. When Lyde died, Edwin became tormented and at the same time obsessed with the idea of contacting his sister beyond the grave. He contacted several occult experts and brought them in from all over the country to help connect with his deceased sister. At the same time, he became fascinated with the afterlife and started studying the occult and the art of communicating through different mediums. What he wanted was to strengthen his own psychic ability. What he ended up getting was taken advantage of by psychic mediums with questionable talent who saw Edwin for the vulnerable, depressed cash cow he was. The current owner of the house, along with several paranormal investigators who have investigated the Bel Air house and its history, believe that Edwin, in his obsessive attempts to gain access to the other side, tapped into the negative energy surrounding the house and opened portals, causing the house to become violently haunted. Edwin and Lyde were also known to have servants. Mostly all of them were named Mary. There was one particular servant that had a child inside the Bel Air house, and it was rumored that the servant's child was lured to the attic and plunged to her death out of the window. The Bel Air house's current owner, Kristen Lee, purchased the home in 2005 for an absurdly low number due to the house being in foreclosure. They were forced to move from Quincy, Ohio, due to the rapid successions of hurricanes Francis and Ivan destroying their previous house. At the time of the purchase, she was unaware of the house's history for the most part. It wasn't long before the family began hearing strange noises and doors opening and closing around the house. Other strange things also began happening, like a 50-pound box of tile disappearing from the kitchen, never to be seen again. The events began growing in intensity. One night, Kristen was home alone and heard loud footsteps walking across the attic. She froze, listening to the floorboards creaking under the weight of the heavy steps. She thought her husband must have been home after all, but that turned out not to be the case as he walked through the front door a short time later. On another night, Kristen was sleeping on the couch in the living room. She abruptly woke up, disoriented, feeling an unusual sensation as if something wasn't quite right. For a moment, everything seemed okay. Kids were asleep on the other couch in the room, and the house was quiet. Then she looked up and saw him. There was an apparition sitting next to her on the couch. He was tall and thin, with facial hair, wearing a hat. He was gray and transparent. She screamed, Who are you? as she jolted up. He said nothing, but stood up, and as he did so, she felt the couch rise as he rose, and there was an impression left in the cushion. Then he walked away into the foyer and vanished. Her kids remained asleep on the couch next to her despite her screaming. When she asked them about it the next day, they claimed they hadn't heard her. Kristen knew what she saw was real, but still wanted to validate her experience. She reached out to a group of paranormal investigators and explained her story. They told her they believed she might have psychiatric issues, but agreed to investigate anyways. Kristen gave the investigators free reign of the house for a night and came back the next day. The lead investigator told her they were going to review their footage and get back to her in a day or so. A week went by with no answer, so Kristen called them and asked what they had found. 
The lead investigator informed her that he was hesitant to tell her what they found because he didn't want to upset her. When she finally got him to tell her what happened, he informed her that when they asked the spirit box what the spirits wanted with Kristen, a clear voice came through saying, Kill her. Kristen was convinced the second floor was significantly more haunted than the first, so she moved out of her upstairs bedroom into what's now known as the Edwin Hetherington room on the first floor. She was about to learn this was a terrible mistake. While laying in bed one night with the family pit bull Bella, an entity manifested in the form of what looked like a black rain cloud full of static electricity. Instantly, the energy in the room shifted and she could feel a charge in the air. Before she knew what was happening, both her and the dog were forced backward and held down on the bed by a crushing weight. The dog began to panic, and in an attempt to protect her owner, tried to scramble on top of Kristen, between her and the entity, barking and scratching the whole time. This apparently bothered the spirit, and the 60-pound dog was lifted up and violently hurled across the room, slamming into the wall, yelping in pain. This was the breaking point for the family, and although they couldn't sell the home, they decided to move into a townhouse and rent out the Bel Air house. She was never able to keep the house rented for long, though. Renters kept experiencing similar terrifying things and fleeing in fear, abandoning deposits and leases. Eventually, the family was forced to move back. The only other option was to let the house go into foreclosure and abandon it altogether. They did exactly that and moved to Salem, Massachusetts, where Kristen works doing psychic readings which she grew to enjoy very much. Kristen and her family were relieved to be away from the house. All seemed well and good. Almost too good to be true. That's when she got the call. It was a call from the town of Bel Air informing her that if she didn't return to the house to maintain the property, they'd fine her $800 per day. Kristen all but hit the roof. How can you find me, she cried. The house went into foreclosure. I don't even own it anymore. What Kristen didn't realize at the time was that while she did in fact foreclose on her mortgage, the bank didn't want the house back, and neither did the town. So although she was relieved of her debt, she was stuck with the house. An otherwise ideal situation had the house not been haunted. But the house was haunted, and the house was calling her back. Kristen refused to live in the house, so rather than go through all of that, she decided to open it up for paranormal investigations. As could be expected, the people who showed up to investigate the house also began to experience things. From seemingly innocuous events like slamming doors, to people being pushed downstairs, sightings of a little girl named Emily Davis all the way up to claims of demonic oppression, and one case claiming a brief demonic possession. One paranormal investigator claims that he was shoved through the attic window, but was able to catch himself before falling out. He feels lucky he wasn't killed, but suffered many lacerations on his hands and arms from the broken glass. Later research discovered that Emily Davis was the daughter of a close friend to the original owner and had drowned on the property. Kristen believed the apparition to actually be a malevolent being posing as a little girl named Emily due to her playfulness usually turning into nefariousness. Kristen still owns the house to this day, but has turned it into a paranormal research facility used strictly for continuing education on the paranormal because the house is simply far too dangerous for anyone to live in. 
joined by Dave Wilkins and Rob Coakley. And that was the Bel Air House. Bel Air, Ohio. Supposed to be the most haunted house in Ohio. That's what they say. And uh, I thought this was a cool one to do because it wasn't just a wasn't just a haunted house it was a violently haunted house where all the uh encounters that people have with vo- with the ghosts none of them are, are really innocuous they're they're really all you know people getting thrown out windows people getting pushed through windows pushed down stairs tossing dogs around it's uh it's pretty wild pretty wild story <clears throat> it is and uh yeah the the claims in the attic of people getting lured towards that window and pushed out the window. I watched an investigation uh, earlier today and it wasn't from that long ago. I think it was like the Buzzfeed one or something like that. And um, they had the window, like there was like a, a trash bag and it was like taped off. Like someone had clearly just broken the window or gone through the window or something like that. So that was probably the, the same uh, witness account that I had mentioned in the video there. Probably. Yep. So, uh, you know, the fact that it's still happening and that's a pretty dangerous situation. Even yeah, if you sure. don't fall through the window, even if you're just breaking the window, you know, that's Absolutely. a pretty dangerous one. Yeah. So, um, I almost didn't do this one cause I, I read, I read Kristen's book and that's how I actually heard about this, um, house. And, um, I left, I left a lot out and I left it out cause I thought, um, a lot of it was just really wacky. And, um, you know, the history of this is, is pretty crazy. You know, you got the, uh, it, you know, it's on an Indian burial ground. It was built, it was built over the area that um, had the coal mine explosion. So there's a lot of death and a lot of, um, you know, just bad history all the way up to, you know, Edwin Hetherington, you know, trying to contact his sister from uh, beyond the grave. And uh, that's where they thought they opened up interdimensional portals. But um, Kristen's story is, is interesting um, until it isn't. And I think that she's kind of a flake for a few different reasons. Um, like for instance, uh, in her book, she claimed to be an agnostic before she moved into the, um, house. Well, she, was, she is, she was like a mental health professional, right? She is, uh, she has a master's in forensic psychology. Um, and, um, but she, she claims like in the, like one of the very first sections of the book, she says that like before she moved in, she didn't really know anything about the, the occult or anything about, um, paranormal anything and was like I said ag- agnostic and now she's like an expert you know now she worships Diana and Artemis and Lilith and she, you know she, she's just I don't know a little yeah, over the top. it sounds like it didn't take a lot for her to move to Salem and start doing well, like palm readings right that, yeah. that was my thing it's like you're terrified of these ghosts and you're like man I really got to get out of this house. Where should I move to? I know. And they go to Salem, Salem, Massachusetts. <laughs> yeah, let me go to Salem and start doing this. Is where I need to be uh, to get away from everything to calm down. Like, what are we doing? Like, I mean, yeah. I love Salem. Like, it's my favorite, but like. There's a chance she read our palms in Salem. Because <laughs> well, we were going there getting palm readings, and she was one of the palm readers. So I, I hope she's the one that read my palm because the one who read my palm got everything wrong. It probably was. It probably was her. Um, everything so there was an, i was listening to this interview with her and she was like um she was they were talking about how edwin hetherington opened up these interdimensional portals and um that's she said portals and the interviewer goes oh portals you mean there's more than one and Kristen goes there are 11 portals that we know of it's like maybe this is just my ignorance on the topic but it's like 
there's a le- you found eleven like an ex- such an exact number of like interdimensional portals that they found yeah, in the if house. If you know how many portals there are, and if this is such a problem that you can't move back into the house, then you could get a priest to come over and close said eleven portals. If you know exactly how many there are, I mean, I don't really know how this whole opening and closing of portals things works. But if she has such an exact number on, I don't know exactly where they are, and maybe she's not interested in closing the portals if she does believe that the portals are open, because that would be bad for business if she's going to keep it open for paranormal investigations. Exactly, you want all the portals open, right? Right, which she does. She does want it open. So um, another thing, another couple of other issues I had is she uh, changes her stories a lot. Um, there were, so you know, this the servants named Mary, according to the book and the website. And, you know, one of the Marys had a child that was lured into the attic and she fell out the window. But in Kristen's recent interviews, she changed the story to a servant named Gary, who had a child that was lured to the attic, attic and fell out. So if, it was frustrating for me because I'm like, I got to go back and change this because I thought it was Mary. Now it's Gary. And I guess the story behind the her changing it from Mary to Gary is completely off the wall, preposterous. She um, apparently a guy called her about a property that she was trying to rent, uh, a different property. And she said, or he said that his pregnant wife and him were trying to get a hold of the realtor, but wasn't answering the calls. So Kristen said, no problem. I'll show you the property. Can you meet me there? He said, yeah. So him and his pregnant wife show up, and uh, he introduces himself as Gary. And before he leaves, he whispers to her, I want to thank you for everything you did for me and my family. And then he left. And then as she was leaving, driving with her son uh, to drop him off at an appointment or something, it quote-unquote hit her. And she was, like, so befuddled that she had to pull over and call her paranormal buddies. And uh, she's like, uh, this this guy that just showed up, his name was Gary. It must be Gary Hetherington. And her friends were like, wait, who the hell's Gary Hetherington? There's no Gary Hetherington. And she's like, oh, no, the servant whose little girl was lured into the attic. He just showed up to my job and thanked me for helping him and his family. I think we finally helped him cross over. And no one called her out on this absolute nonsense that she just was like a dude who showed up with his wife to look at a property. She just decided that he was a ghost <laughs> based on absolutely nothing. So, um, and no, no one called her out on it. Like the people on the phone didn't call her out. And the person, the interview, the person who was doing the interview was like, oh, my God, that's crazy. A ghost showed up and no one called her out. They just let her get away with that shit. And, yeah, uh, that's, that sounds, that sounds absolutely wacky. And you, you get this a lot when there's like a location, you have a, the woman tied to it or whoever's tied to it. And it's like, people just fawn over this person. You know, like, I think that's why a lot of them become really like big headed and very full of themselves. And I think that's kind of the sense that I'm getting where it's like, she's like, everyone cares so much about my story and, you know, and they'll just, she's surrounded by yes men. Like, yeah. so she calls up her paranormal buddies and where they're yes men. She's like, oh, I just got visited by a ghost. They're like, oh my God, it's happening. You know, I don't know. I would have so. asked her what car Gary got into to drive away. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. exactly. And I want to know if, if is the ghost still renting the property or <laughs> did you like, did you check up on that? Uh, according to her. So she said that they never heard from Gary again. And they never, when she called the number back, the number was disconnected. So um, I don't know. Maybe I, I think I think she sounds like a flake, but I, that just could be me being a dick. <laughs> I, I do like that Dave came in and hate fucked this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not so so He's just like, to be clear because it does sound like I'm ripping on my own episode. <laughs> um, the story is the ghost story is awesome. I do think Kristen's kind of a flake and a little bit over the top, uh, but I'm not saying I don't believe that 
the things that she says happened. I don't believe I don't believe she's making up, you know, the story about the dog getting tossed across the room. I think that's a weird story to make up. Um, but I, I do think that she's taken it and running with it and maybe embellishing a little bit too much. I think I think I agree with that. I think it's a little bit of both. So I think these things did, did happen to them. I think obviously it sounded like financially she was in no position to fake this stuff from the beginning. You know, right. clearly she tried to get out. She tried to sell the house for one dollar, um, like to uh, whatever to the bank or whatever. Like, like she tried, she tried to get rid of the house for sure. Right. And uh, and then when it couldn't happen, she, it seems like she kind of embraced it. And then whether or not she's slowly losing it, or whether or not she's bullshitting and and buying into this and, you know, just trying to make, you know, prolong this 15 minutes of fame and prolong the business because she now has a, a monetary investment and she has a, a reason to, to keep spooky things happening around this area, you know, around the house. So, right. I lean know. more towards that because while I do think that she didn't just concoct the story out of nowhere, um, I do think that she's kind of trying to keep pumping air into Aaron to it to keep it going and there are crazy things about this story too so like obviously there are a couple things that i didn't like about it um but the things that i did like about it that i think are nuts is the fact that the she the bank for that let her foreclose on the mortgage and would not take the house back and neither would the state that's bananas yeah like, do, he, do you know how many people even... foreclose on their house or that they would wish like oh <laughs> for a situation like that of where course. the bank's like yeah. oh yeah the mortgage don't worry about it but you can keep the house like something like something's up there you know if it's that that's crazy and the the history with edwin heatherington um just going out of his mind and messing with the occult i mean that's yeah. especially on the, the indian burial ground there and, and we talked all. about like certain events that can happen we talked about this on the um the scotland episode where it's like there's you know with a lot of these cases when it's a real haunting there seems to be something that awakens these ghosts now whether it opened 11 portals or whatever <laughs> the hell happened you know it's like, like that seems to be the event that started stirring up stuff on that property so and then you tie it in with indian burial, burial ground you tie it in with the mines underneath where you know there's documented deaths and that's kind of like the those are like the the two sweet spots that that we like to hit on. It has the Indian burial history in America, which, which already ties into a whole bunch of dark, you know, forces. And then you have documented deaths on the area. And, and I've heard that it's not even just that house that's haunted. I've heard it's like that whole area on that. Yeah. And it's on what's called a ley line, L E Y Mm -hmm. line, which means that there's a constant source of paranormal energy in the house that goes in and out of it and surrounding area because of the two major, catastrophic events that happened in that same area 100 percent. so you know it kind of hits all those all those points where you know we like to say that's why it's haunted but then you have the event so the event would be you know whether these mediums and these psychics were taking advantage of this guy and you know they're, they're like oh edwin wants another seance you know let's go give him another seance you know let's go make a few bucks here or whether it's you know uh th- th- these things could obviously conjure up some stuff what's up there you go hi man thanks for swinging by um I, I think that would be the event that could kickstart some kind of hauntings. So I think it's a, there's legitimacy to it for sure. You know, it's absolutely. Not- and the other thing is that um, you get, you know, paranormal investigator group after paranormal investigator group going into this place and all coming out with, with like actual tangible evidence, you know, door mm-hmm. slamming people getting pushed and stuff. And um, you know, there was a, you know, an, a demonic oppression and a demonic possession alleged. So, mm-hmm. Um, I could not to continue piling on about this, but that 
alleged possession I have issues with also. Um, my when, did, when did she take, when did she get the house? 2006, 2005. Because oh, okay. like, the house sounds exactly like the house from the movie Poltergeist. So I was wondering if that's what this movie was based off of, but clearly. No, the Poltergeist movie was based off of the uh, Lindley Street. Oh, was it? Okay. And uh, I don't think that was in Ohio. I forget what that was. Let's go back, let's go back to this um, demonic possession. Because whenever I see these things in like ghost shows, I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Yeah, I think <laughs> the demonic possession is complete bullshit also. And here's why. So the investigator who was allegedly possessed um, was acting more aggressive throughout the night, which is uncharacteristic of this person, apparently. So they finally allegedly entered a full state of possession, cursing and just saying nasty things to people unprovoked. And Kristen, who was there, she had some water in a little bottle, and she told the possessed investigator that it was holy water and splashed it. And according to Kristen, that ended the possession. Now, anyone who's ever read an Ed Warren or a Richard Gallagher book will know that that's a trick that exorcists actually use to weed out people who are faking their possessions. So she may have accidentally outed her investigator for sharing that particular story. Yeah, I've, I've never heard of just the holy water ends the possession. No, I, I, that's interesting that it's a uh, that's a trick they they use like it's a placebo pill basically to see if uh, they're bullshitting. Right. Well, yeah. Well, they'll they'll use the fake holy water, which she was was not actually holy water, but said it was. I mean, I'm just judging this off of like scary movies that I've seen where possessions happen. The holy water <laughs> never ends the possession scene. No, even when it's the real holy water. But no, it would be more than that. But the fact that they use the holy water to splash it to see if they get a reaction, because if you if you you know if you splash a possessed person with person with holy water, it might burn or agitate them or whatever. Or but if you splash regular water on them, it's not going to do anything. Right. So, of course. Yeah. I'll get wet. Uh, Dorico asked, "Do you not believe it in general, or you think it's just this one instance?" So we're talking about uh, on this exact property. For the most part, we think the location's haunted because of all these said points, you know, so if you're just joining now, it's, this house was, it's in, um, uh, Bill, Belleville, Bel Air, Bel Air, Bel Air, Ohio. Oh yeah. By the way, you missed, you missed a great opportunity to wrap that whole thing over the theme song of Fresh Prince. Of Bel Air. <laughs> you anyway. missed a great opportunity to make the fu- the thumbnail, like the, the fresh ghost of Bel Air or something like that. <laughs> yeah. It's a different Bel Air. We blew it. Anyway, <laughs> anyways, back to recap. Uh, so this is this house. It's, you know, supposed to be the most haunted house in Ohio. Um, it's built on an, uh, Indian burial ground, and it's also built above these uh, coal mines where a bunch of ex- uh, what expl- you know explosions happened, a bunch of people died on the property. So, like basically, the whole street's haunted, but this house in particular is supposed to be the most haunted. But as Dave was explaining earlier, we think the lady that owns it's a bit of a flake, and she's kind of you know kind of bullshitting some certain points of it. So, not really that she's bullshitting so much that she's making it up, but she, I think that. That's what bullshitting means. No, uh, I think that she's. It does. I think she did experience some stuff there, and but I think now she's pump, she's pumping it up to okay, okay, keep yeah. it going. That or that or she just like because she experienced so much stuff. Just like now she's just looking for it everywhere, right? Like so, yeah, yeah. so like you you see one thing or two things, and it just happens to you, and then like now everything just must be related to that, right? Like everything, so. Could be something like that too, as you said. It could be her just trying to 
you know, keep the property going in the direction. It could be a little, it could be a little bit of both too. So it could be like, like, because you had mentioned that she was a skeptic or, you know, and she was a person of science basically when she had bought the property and then things started happening and eventually she changed. So now that she's changed, I mean, she's gone full all out with this thing. She moved to Salem, started doing palm readings and all this stuff. So clearly she's now turned full, you know, basically turned into a witch. And, uh, so, so now everything, like you said, Rob, she's going to chalk everything up to paranormal. You know, every bump that goes on, every bad vibe that she gets, every time she gets sick, she's probably blaming everything on, on this ghost. You know, uh, this lady lives around here. Uh, apparently, I don't know. She did she's- for a, she did for a short while. She moved when she after the, after the incident where her and the dog got attacked in the bedroom. They were like, enough's enough. We're moving out of here. They moved out and moved to Salem for. I think probably like a year or a year and a half or so uh, just to get away from the house. And that was when the bank called her or the town called her and was like, get back here to maintain the property or we're going to find you. So she had to move, move back. So, but um, she's, she lives in Ohio now. She's back in Ohio now, but yeah, she did live in Salem for a brief period. Yeah. So basically they've turned the house into, you know, a place that paranormal investigators can go rent out the house and, and check it out. So That'd be that'd be a fun one if ever we end up uh, back in Ohio. Oh God, I hope I never end up back in Ohio. I say that every day. Every it day is, it is my up. least That's favorite true. state I've ever been in. <laughs> By far. Yeah. Last time I went to Ohio, I had a good time, but, but uh, that's only because I we had family out there, and you know the wife's family was out there. But I, I remember I'd, I'd taken a trip to Ohio. I don't even remember why. Previously, I was like, there is nothing. It was the worst. There is nothing to do here. There's even grass. I, I don't even dirt. mind nothing to do. I just, that state, man. Sorry, everyone from Ohio. But <laughs> that was, it just was so bad. I will say um, the real real estate out there, if you, if you got like $100,000 and you want to go buy a sick house, you do it in Ohio. Probably I mean, haunted though. Problem is you're on hot. You're in Ohio, but the, there's just mansions out there, dude. This cheap, it's cheap, cheap, cheap. Um, I wanted to make fun of the whole like all the servants being named Mary thing. Mm-hmm. Like, well, I think that was, was a really popular name back then. <laughs> well, so co- coincidentally, I've been listening to stuff about the Lizzie Borden case, mm-hmm. and a lot of it centers around their maid as well. And their maid, they I, I can't remember if they called her Maggie or her real name was Maggie, but the the stepmother didn't want to learn a new name when the maid got replaced. So she kept calling the new maid Maggie. And I'm just like, I wonder if all these rich assholes in the 1800s were just like, you know what? I like calling them Mary. They're all Mary. There might be something to that too, because the other thing is like with indentured servants, um, take on the last name. They would take on the last name of the, um, they're not really an owner when it's an indentured servant, but like, you know, that they're master their boss, boss basically yeah so they would take on their last name which is like a crazy commitment like oh yeah i got the got this new job call me jesse mcdonald's now <laughs> but, uh, well that's actually where a lot of if you go back far enough that's where a lot of uh last names came from like it was you you had a first name and your last name was your occupation right. like that's where baker came from yeah. oh yeah um, yeah yeah that's so true that's and, very true uh, king yeah cobbler Smith. yeah Smith, yeah. Yeah, Dickinson. Smith was like blacksmith and everything, yeah. Yep. Dickinson was a good one. Dickinson. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck is Dickinson? 
<laughs> we won't get into it, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so that's a, uh, that was a very cool episode. Um, yeah. Anything else you guys want to touch on on the Bel Air house? No, I thought the whole story behind um, the guy, Winchesterton, Heather's well, <laughs> chill, whatever. Um, he, had a lot, he had a lot of jobs. So <laughs> I, I thought I thought his story was awesome. Like that, that was like super cool to learn about. Was just like so what he got into. Yeah, you said he he was now confused. Correct me if I'm wrong. He was like a multimillionaire. And then he went crazy, and they checked on his Sort of. So Jacob, Jacob Hetherington was the original guy who started the mining companies. Um, I don't know if he started them or ended up bought them or inherited them, I forget. But um, he was the main guy, and then his son Alex took over. And Alex is the one that went insane and ended up in the institution because he kept seeing demons. And his daughter and son lied, and, and Edwin took over the business. But then Lyde died, and... Edwin was the one who was heartbroken over his sister and just died. Edwin cried. Zed's dead, baby. But uh, the uh, yeah, Edwin was the one who was just obsessing over trying to contact her, and just he had a cult expert after a cult expert coming in and mediums and just trying to contact her and just just really screw him with some really really dark magic, trying to you know get a hold of her, and that's what they thought haunted the, so I wonder, the house. I wonder what the um. The guy that was seeing demons and stuff like that, did he ever live at the house? Yeah. So, I, I mean, I wonder what the tie-in is with that, too. I feel like we kind of glossed over it, and I think the point I is... I think he was just insane. Yeah, they, but, I mean, they, we're, they we're talking back. about a, a house with, you know, like all these... If, if we're going to take this route, you know, like, we're talking about a, a house with all these dark forces that continues to be the most haunted house in the state... And you're talking about a guy who was seeing demons and stuff like that. Maybe, maybe he wasn't that crazy. Maybe, maybe, maybe he, he wasn't. But I, th- I think the, I think the timeline and what they believe, like the, the, the experts, the lady I just called a flake, believes, <laughs> is that Alex Hetherington was not seeing demons. The house was not haunted at that time. It was on, you know, Indian burial ground, etc. On that ley line, which existed, but nobody had tapped into that until Edwin started screwing around with the dark magic and that's yeah, what I'm just but it's like okay so no so, I get it and, but and that, saying, that's she, the most likely scenario to me as well I, I do agree with that but maybe this guy tapped into it and maybe yeah, he tapped, no, I, maybe I, he I tapped a bit too far and I mean it, we're just going to write off the guy that got allegedly was seeing a whole bunch of demons to a point where they put him in an insane asylum this is where I think that her credible side is uh, with her masters in forensic psychology comes in where she was able to look at um, the the medical reports for Alex Hetherington and say, this guy had epilepsy, you okay, know? Yeah, so yeah. that's what she was like. That's what that is. And there was a, there was a ton of um, cases of demonic possession that happened back before they knew what epilepsy was that yeah. actually were just epilepsy. Yeah. yeah. They didn't even coin epilepsy. I don't think until the seventies. So yeah. Um, yeah. That, that's uh, that's interesting, but it, that, I don't think I write off crazy guy seeing demons as, yeah, it's, it's, it's a I little mean, coincidental if you, if you yeah, think about it. You know? <clears throat> Very interesting. Very interesting. However, I mean, it, like, but you know, you're right with with her credibility. The fact that she was an expert in that field, um, for her to not be like, "Well, guys, saw demons here," you know, and not just take that as another point to add to the house. Right. You'd think if any if anyone would want to jump on and you know credit the paranormal, 
it would be that, her. That would be another case of that. Yeah, for sure. Very interesting. Very cool. That is a, that is a cool story. I, I had heard about the Bel Air house before, but I did recently. Not it's been on a lot of, um, I, I think, uh, Zach Baggins did some stuff there. I could be wrong about that. I don't I think Zach did. I know the, the one that I watched was just the Buzzfeed one, which is always entertaining, but the, um, they didn't find anything, but they also, it, they do very brief investigations. Like they just went in, they would turn on the spirit box a couple of minutes. I mean, obviously it's a condensed episode, but then they just went to yeah. bed. So I don't know, but they slept up in the attic, which is brave of them. Yeah. Attic is supposed to be. So I've heard the second floor is very, uh, most investigators get a lot of, uh, bad vibes on the second floor. And then obviously the attic is with the, uh, the window that everyone keeps trying to jump out. So, right. I don't know if the attic is considered haunted or there are people being lured from the second floor to the attic. Interesting. Yeah, so, so I think it's probably the second floor that's most haunted. What's up, Rob? Um, didn't one of you say that you've had some experiences lately? Do we want to get into that? Was I talking to somebody else about this? You might have been talking to Andrew, who... Uh-huh. Oh, maybe I was talking to Andrew. We'll, we'll save that for we'll the San Antonio episode. So what's weird is... I don't know if I was telling you guys this the other day, but I had some weird experiences in the house that I'm in now. And I've been here five years and I've never experienced anything here. Like, and this house is an old funeral home. So when I moved in, I was like, definitely going to experience stuff here. Never did five years. Haven't nothing. So I was on the first floor this is a three-family. Um, I was on the first floor. My my apartment's on the third floor. And um, my mother was on the first floor, and I went down there to talk to her about something. And we were in her kitchen, and her bathroom is attached to her kitchen. Like, to get to her bathroom, you go through the kitchen. And we were talking, and we both just stopped talking because we hear something in the bathroom. And it sounded like somebody talking underneath water. It was real weird. So like, I'm like, I turned to her. I'm like, do you hear that? She goes, yeah. She goes, I've never heard that before. So we sat there and we listened for a few minutes. We both heard it. And we're just sitting there and um, listening. I'm like, I'm going to go see if like your sink's on or something. Like, this is real weird. As soon as my foot got next to the bathroom, it stopped. Oh, man. Just stopped. Um, so I'm trying to talk through some embalming fluid <laughs> very next night. I, I went in there, um, real quick and my dog, as you can, if you're watching the stream, you can see him in the background. If I don't, if I don't lock his gate upstairs, he can open the front, he can open my door and come downstairs. So occasionally he'll go in the hallway and start crying. So we're talking and we hear Gotham crying in the hallway or, what we thought was Gotham crying in the hallway. So I'm like, oh, I'm like, oh, he got out. I must not have locked the gate. So I walk over to open the door to let him in. He's not there. I look upstairs, see if he's looking at me from down the st- from up the stairs. Not there. I eventually go upstairs. The the gate's locked and the door's closed, and he's in his crate sleeping. Oh boy! So it's pretty good. Really, nice. really too weird. Nothing else since. I mean, that's that was just the end of last week but so your house is haunted by the dog the ghost of a dog that's still alive i mean but the the weird thing is it's been five years and i haven't experienced the thing so it's like that time at that apartment we had we i think we talked about it on the show where 
nothing ever happened in that apartment except for one night. And then everything was fine again. So after five years, something's happening here. It's just so weird. Um, that is strange. I didn't well, know that I your house I was a that. former funeral home. It's uh, pretty cool. It is yeah. creepy. But, you know, it, it, didn't, it doesn't surprise me that there was no activity there for so long because, you know, um, funeral homes like graveyards, I feel like are they have like a creepy aura to them. But, you know, people don't die in graveyards. People don't die in funeral homes. They die somewhere else and they're brought there. So what energy would be left in a funeral home, you know? That's valid. <clears throat> Well, the funeral home, especially the graveyard, I get because their remains are there. So, like mm. that, they could tie to they could tether to their remains, which is sort of similar to something we're going to be talking about next week, um, like where objects and stuff. But yeah, like the, the, to your point, yeah, why would anything ever be here? But again, there are no rules with these things. I don't get to make the rules. That's no. right. That's right. <laughs> So, and you don't know. I mean, I guess we could look into the history of the house. So, some will look if things continue. I think we definitely take a little bit of a deeper dive into the property. And and uh, yeah, I mean, I I originally was gonna, but just with nothing happening here, I'm like, yeah, it just there's no there's no reasoning to get into it. And now all of a sudden, the, the bathroom one more so than the other one was like really unsettling. That's yeah, that that that's definitely definitely strange. Very cool. Very cool. Well, we got to do another part of a Bridgewater episode anyway. So hopefully, uh, hopefully your house is haunted and think terrible things start happening. Thank <laughs> <laughs> was violently haunted. <laughs> so uh, what's the plan for next week, boys? Um, so next week is the Christmas episode. So I finally found, I was looking for a long time, but um, it's going to be a little different than most of our other episodes where we focus on one town. We're going to be on two towns next week i got a story from north pole alaska and i got a story from bethlehem pennsylvania look at that perfect very good and then uh we're gonna do a conjuring episode and san antonio probably back to back get those ones cranked out we we can stop previewing the same episode we've been previewing for weeks and that'll do it uh so uh give us a follow uh jump in the discord the discord is free to join and i will leave a link right now and uh, yeah, other than that, we'll be back next week on Tuesday. And we're going to try to do a Phasmophobia stream soon. Yeah, we're going to get you set up on that. So that'll be fun. And we'll uh, find some real ghosts. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Anyways, I want to thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure if you're listening on iTunes, drop us a review, a whole five-star guy or a four-star, but we prefer five. We'll review. Five. Tell us what you think about the show. And um yeah, that's the link right there for the Discord. We'll catch you guys next time. Thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe, share, tell all your friends, and send in your ghost story so we can read through it and uh, make a whole episode about it. It'd be great. Gentlemen, until next Tuesday, I'll see you then.